0: You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, Lucky You. My name's Andrew mackay smith and the interview subject I've got coming up for you. Sorry, I've got to throw in some humour from time to time in my introductions here. They sound so dry, don't they? should look at fixing that, but I probably won't. Anyway, let's get on with it. The interview subject you're going to hear from is Kevin Jordan from the outfit This Wildlife. The reason for the conversation is to promote their October 2017 Tour of Australia with Mayday Parade. So let's have a listen to what Kevin has to say. Here we go. You're in Australia and you have toured here a few times before, but what can fans, Australian fans I should say, expect from your tour in October?
1: Well the first time when we actually came to Australia we didn't even have our first record out yet, so we were kind of I want to say we were playing only five or six songs uh, in small clubs, and you know, and it was on a support tour, so we had a, a really short set. And then the, the second time that we came over, we were there on the Soundwave Festival, and we played. We always thought it was really funny that our, our set and our billing for the tour, uh, for this festival, we were the very smallest last name on the flyer for Soundwave, <laughs> and we played on nice. the smallest stage first in the day. So, right. so it, it ended up being like incredibly successful for us. Um, those were some of the, you know, some of the biggest crowds we've played for, you know, as a band ever. So we've kind of been really jonesing to get back over there. And this opportunity came up to, to go kind of celebrate May Day for 10 year anniversary. Yep. And we toured with them in the States once before. And we, we just jumped at it. We're super, super excited to get back over there Um. And hopefully next year we can follow it up with our first headline tour there. We'd we'd love to bring the performances that we're doing in the States. We'd love to bring that over there as well.
0: Excellent, mate. And you mentioned the Soundwave tour there. What were your recollections of the tour as a whole, like in terms of going from city to city? Because if I'm not mistaken, there's about 40 or 50 bands, and most of them are um, from outside of Australia. So they're what we call international bands. Um, did you have a great time on the tour? And is there any any interesting tour stories you could share for the podcast listeners?
1: <laughs> it was really fun. We ended up kind of like touring with the same group of bands the, the whole time. Yes. So, you know, going from either hotels to, to buses to planes or whatever. But we ended up traveling with uh, Papa Roach and King810 the whole time. Nice. And it was kind of, kind of interesting that. Um during, during the tour backstage, one time Jacoby Shaddix walked by and he, uh, he just looked at me and said, sweet beard, bro. And I was like, <laughs> just cracking up because I'm like, how did my life get to this point where it's like, you know, I grew up listening to Pop Roach? I'm like, somehow I'm in Australia and Jacoby Shaddix is complimenting me when he walks by casually. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. So I tweeted something about like, like this is insane that my life is here and Jacoby Shaddix just said this to me. And then the, uh, the, I forget what his name is, but the owner of, of Soundwave,
0: he, oh, yeah. he ended
1: up tagging Jacoby in, in that tweet and totally just, like, sold me out to him. And the next day, he sits down next to me on the bus and is just like, hey, what's up, man? I saw your tweet yesterday. And I'm like, fuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the owner's name is AJ. Um, and I think he's I think it's he's, uh, Shaz or Shaz yeah, is his name Yeah Yeah Yes No It's a shame that the festival hasn't been able to continue Actually It was fairly well documented what happened uh, through its demise I think it was beginning of 2015 is when it it stopped I think there was promotions uh, started for it But then uh, there were some fairly well documented uh, issues around uh, finances and the like that Unfortunately pollaxed it But I can tell you mate since it's, Yeah I- yeah, since it's left Australian Shores, mate, or since it's not been around, mate, we've really felt it down here, actually.
1: Yeah, I think that we actually played, like, the last the last one that, that happened in 2014. And, yeah, I'm bummed because it seemed like it was such a cool festival for the fans and for the band. Uh, and I bet there's kind of a big gap in artists going to Australia now after something like that goes away. And I know big day out is kind
0: of like a, a similar yeah that's right you know that
1: isn't happening anymore and yeah i'd love to that, i'd love to understand that for what whatever the, reason that
0: those festivals are not no you're not wrong it's it's i'd just love to understand what you know i mean you know I'm, I'm a fan first and foremost and you're an artist and um i guess we when to get told what we get told but um I'd love to find out if it's possible again to resurrect the beast because, to your point, mate, yeah, we do miss out on a lot of wonderful touring acts that we could almost rely on, like clockwork, to come down here, whether it be the Big Day Out or the Soundwave festivals. So uh, there's a few boutique festivals, uh, laneway festivals and the like that occur but make nothing of the size of those two festivals these days. So uh, hopefully somebody out there, preferably someone with the experience uh, like AJ himself, is able to get the festival back up and running again or another festival like it. That'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, I imagine it's just a matter of time for something like that, and you know the the promoters need to recover, you know, from whatever kind of bad press they've had or whatever you know financial losses that they've had. And I bet if if an investor comes in and the right people try to build it again, that there will there will definitely be another successful festival in Australia in, in the near future. Yeah, cool, mate. No, and absolutely. we'd love to be a part of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> if you know anybody, a lot of times... Them-
0: I'd love to see you guys on there, yeah. No, I'd love to see you guys on there. Just as an aside, I talk to a lot of musicians and artists from around the world, and it's it's coming up quite a bit. That um, I mean, I know obviously you guys are coming down and um, down in October with May Day Parade, but a lot of artists are, that I talk to are only I want to say only they're promoting an album, not necessarily a tour like you guys are. But it does come up. More than half a dozen times now. Do you know anybody that can help us get down to Australia? So um, here's a bit of a hint. If I, uh, if I can partner with somebody to help bring down more excellent artists and more excellent bands, mate, um, I'll look at doing that because uh, I've just exited my career as a telco account executive to focus more on the music because I'm also a musician. Um, but, mate, there's definitely a gap in the market there for bringing bands down to Australia, that's for sure. I suppose you've just got to work at how, A, if you don't make money, you don't lose all your money and B who wants to come down?
1: Yeah, I think it's tough and I think the only bands that are really going out there right now are the the sure things, you know, like the, the bands that they know are gonna sell out the venues. Because I, I think I think promoters have taken some losses in the last few years and they're they're trying to be really safe with what they bring out. Yeah. So it's like obviously, you know, your family amity Affliction, in Paris like that that stuff makes sense and their eyes and the architects they can all go over there because everybody knows that everybody's going to win but the, I think what what really suffers is the smaller bands the developing acts that that you know are kind of untested there so we, we've never headlined there so we're not getting any offer to go and, and play a headline tour because I think you know not only would we be worried but the promoters probably would just be
0: totally worried that they wouldn't get their money back yes 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 hey th- quick question then uh has your experience as a touring artist been universally positive or have you had some pretty I mean, i'm not asking you to share direct experiences but what's the ratio of positive to negative experiences do you think as i say mate or reframe the question when you're touring and the like is it almost always a given that things are going to go pear-shaped at some point you know not all the time but just occasionally and how do you handle the setbacks on tour
1: I think it's it's tough because your time on the road, like at least for me, my experience on tour is directly correlated with how well the shows are going. Yes. So if people are coming out and we're playing well and I feel healthy, then I'm I'm loving it and it's like my favorite thing in the world. But if you're you know playing to quarter full filled rooms or you're losing money or you're you know you're you're sick or something like that, it's just it can be such a bummer. Just knowing that you don't have like a, a bed to go home to at night, you know, yes. it's like, gosh, we have to go and do this again. But I, I would say overall, it's that I really, really enjoy it. And that even when at the end of a tour, when we're going home and I'm excited to go home, that excitement to be home and to enjoy those things, like being able to cook my own meals and, you know, sleep in my own bed, yes. that stuff, you, you end up missing the, you miss the road pretty quickly, actually. Yes, I've heard,
0: I've heard that quite a bit actually. It's in your blood, isn't it? Doing doing what you guys do.
1: <laughs> I, I guess so. I, I've been I've been touring for like almost ten years, so I, I definitely miss it when I'm not out there. And mm. like today, I'm getting ready to to go to California just to start rehearsals for our next tour that we're playing, and and work tours actually here in town today. And I'm just like, I I I don't have the time to go to go to the tour and see some friends and, and stuff like that. And it's like, it bums me out. And when I, when I see other bands traveling when I'm at home and stuff, I'm always jealous. So I, I think, <laughs> I think that's actually the, the proof is in the pudding there. Oh, good on you, but I see excellent. other people yeah. out on tour. It, it, it makes me want to be there too.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, I think it's really important that people listening that are fans of what you do understand that, that how passionate you are, that, you're such a fan of being on the road and performing for people that when you get home, you can't wait to get back out again. I think it's the same, mate. I think it's important that yeah, people hear that, that. Yeah,
1: I guess I hadn't really thought about it that way that, that if I had to say whether I whether I love touring or not, it's like the easiest thing to to tell is that, yeah, I miss it when I'm not on the road.
0: <laughs> so you, you are one of those blokes that is very easy to identify with from a fan perspective. And what I mean by that is you don't mind sharing some of the more personal aspects of your psyche. So I watched a YouTube clip where you talk about relationships and friendships. And my question for you now is, would you say that's important for artists and musicians to open up to their fans and to their audience? I think
1: it depends, you know, it depends on what you're, you're comfortable with. And if, if you're writing the kinds of songs that, like, lyrically, they're just kind of broad strokes, or really ambiguous, or, or you're just kind of creating stories, that, which, which I think is totally cool. It's not really my style. I, I choose to write about things that are personal to me and things that I care about. Yeah. But um, for me, for me it, is, it is important to kind of just, like, show where these songs are coming from. Uh, the, the thing that I want people to walk away with more than anything when they see us live or listen to our record, is that it's coming from a, a place that's honest and, and these songs are sincere and special to me. So I think opening up about some of that kind of stuff can be not only good good for me personally, just to kind of get stuff off my chest at times, but I've, I've definitely seen it be a positive impact on other people. Yes. For, for some reason, I, I think people just tend to feel a little bit better about their problems when they know that other people are going through the same thing.
0: I agree, and it's, yes.
1: I don't know. I don't know. It's almost It's almost a little self-serving where it's like, well, shit, I don't got it so bad. I don't get it so bad because other people have it just as bad or worse. <laughs> and yeah. I, don't, I don't know why people feel better when other people are feeling crappy, but I think sharing that kind of stuff is really humanizing and it just shows people that, you know, everybody is... Everybody is weak and strong and and totally, totally different and unique, but also the same. And and to me, it's just, I don't know, I've gotten more and more comfortable sharing who I am and my flaws as a whole.
0: You you spoke very well, uh, and you made some very interesting points in an interview with Spare Change News in 2015. And of course, that was well before Donald Trump got into power. And I guess my question for you now is, what's your take on things now that, Donald Trump's in power, obviously your views on these things have probably only been affirmed or or, uh, have been strengthened, unfortunately, because as I say, you did make some very good points about racism, police brutality and homelessness, but I was particularly interested in the comments that you made about veterans and mental illness, because I, I too noticed that it does seem to be something that gets not addressed as well as it needs to be. There are a lot of veterans, both in Australia and America, that come back from these Wars we as a nations are fighting overseas, and um, you yeah, know somehow people are falling through the cracks. But I guess um, probably a long way to raise the question, mate. But really, it's a question about what's your take on the way things are now that Donald Trump's in power.
1: I think it's. Uh, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm not a supporter of, of Trump, like in, in any way, almost. Uh, and I, I think that it's kind of allowed people to yeah you know it's like there's kind of been like a sleeping racism that's gone on in the states for a long time i think and and i I think in a way it was almost like well at least at least these people that have these really awful things to say about people of color at least they're at least they're scared to not say say these kinds of things uh and and i i would obviously I would rather prefer that they didn't didn't think those things at all, but I do think that. Trump's rhetoric during the campaign and and now as the president has given these people confidence to come out and be blatantly hateful and racist and angry again. And he's kind of like woken up like a, what I think is like a sleeping giant of what was kind of just a, an underlying racism that, that exists in the States and has always existed in the States. But I don't know, maybe, maybe there will be like a positive to it. Maybe now that, you know, the beast has shown its face. Maybe it'll be easier to identify what the problems are and who these people are that need to wise up. And I I honestly, I think that anything that's going to take place in society is always going to take like at least an entire generation. And I see it from, from my grandpa who was a great guy who took care of our family, but he was racist as all hell, you know? And, And it's just the way that he was raised. He was raised in an Italian neighborhood in Chicago. And that's just, that was the culture at the time, and, and I see how much more accepting my mom was than her father, and I see how much more accepting I am than my mother. And I, and I think it's totally moving in the right direction, but it's going to take, it's, it's take an entire generation. Like it's going to take me having a kid for that kid to be raised in a time where they're just not judgmental of any kind of minorities or any, any people's way of life where they're just more accepting and... It's just going to take time, man. It's sad to say, but yeah, no, I, I think group. that some, some, old pe- some old people need to die off, and, and so do their ideals.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. If you think you've hit the nail on the head with the, the hammer there. I think it is in an intergenerational thing, and I think through the generations eventually it is going to disappear, and I think it, you're certainly right. I mean, I'm I'm the first person in my family, even here in Australia, to marry someone who'd be considered, I think the word you guys use in the States, person of colour, and um, in that she's my yeah. wife's half Filipino, half Croatian, um, and I had to do a check on that the other day, actually, to, to see that if I was the first person. Um, but, yeah, there you go. I think it's just a case of – I also think it's a case of um, we now work in environments where um, – we're not siloed anymore. You are going to work with people from different faiths, different uh, cultural backgrounds and the like. And, mate, at the end of the day, we're all human beings,
1: aren't we? For sure. And I think, like like I was saying earlier, how it takes time for those things to go away, I think that there are still, you know, results of segregation here in the States. and, And you see it, like, especially back east, you'll go out there and there's just neighborhoods where it's like, okay, this is a Jewish neighborhood, this is a black neighborhood, this is a Filipino neighborhood. Mm. And I think out, at least growing up in California, you don't see that as much. You see a lot more of, you know, mixed race families, mixed race neighborhood. And, but there's still, there's still like ripples of segregation and racism all over the place. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's gross, but I, I think that, I think, Seeing, like the next generation of kids and how, <laughs> how being at least like something like being quote unquote woke is like popular. I'm like, well, if, yes. if there's going to be some like dorky slang term or something like that, at least <laughs> it's that, you know, like be proud about being yeah. aware of, of the, you know, the world around you.
0: Yes, no, very good point, mate. Mate, in the interest of time, I'll I'll wrap things up, but I've got three questions that I ask all of my interview subjects here, so I'd love it if you could play along, and believe me, your answers can be as not safe for work as you like because I am an R-rated program. So here we go. Choose three words to describe yourself.
1: Huh. Tough I would <laughs> say, yeah. I think
0: uh, passionate, uh, loving, and dorky. <laughs> awesome, nice ones. I don't think I've had. I think I've had passionate, but I haven't had dorky yet. So thank you for adding that to the lexicon. <laughs> That's cool. All right. <laughs> the next one, Kevin, is if you could go back to when you were eighteen and give yourself some advice, what do you think you'd say?
1: Honestly, I've, I've always thought that I've always wished that I would have joined the military when I was eighteen. Um, I, I started touring when I was eighteen, and I played in a band that, you know, just ultimately was doomed to be unsuccessful. And I spent a lot of time doing it because I, I wasn't aware of, you know, the landscape of the music industry and, and stuff like that. And yep. I wish that I would have, I wish I would have enlisted in the military and, and kind of built a, a better future for myself and served. And served. Serve, I think it would have been a really beneficial
0: to me oh, good on you mate yeah yeah no it's a really good point I haven't had that one either gosh okay so a couple of firsts there um, yeah that's a nice one and um, yeah no it's uh, the most common response that I have to that question is usually I wouldn't go back and give myself any advice because I wouldn't be where I am now um, but then I've heard everything else in between so there you go anyway I'll, uh, I'll get to the final question and yeah. this one usually stumps people mate so I'll be very keen to hear what your response is but here we go what five guests, living or dead, would you invite to dinner?
1: Ooh. Would I invite to dinner? I would probably say Dwayne Johnson. He's, he's like, been my... (laughs) The last few years, he's been my my favorite celebrity. I, I think not only is he... Super, super funny, but I think that he's like a really positive, good dude. Uh, and like, I kind of started off as like a, a joke, like loving Dwayne Johnson because he's like obviously he makes some pretty corny movies and stuff. But I ended up following him online, and I, I think that he's actually one of the most like inspirational dudes that's in Hollywood. And he always makes fun for his fans. And, and to me, as an artist, I think it's really inspiring that somebody is as busy, as rich, and famous as him, still on a daily basis makes time for the people that allow him to do what he loves and allow him to, you know, provide for his family and stuff, and I think that's pretty unheard of in in celebrity, celebrity dumb in general, and, and so he's, he's pretty inspirational to me, and he's super buff, and I wish that I was super buff.
0: likewise yeah we see him down here quite a bit promoting his various movies and the like and um, he appears on a show called the footy show quite a bit now i don't watch that too often but he certainly knows how to interact with people and a bit like a good self mate i think he's got a lot of empathy
1: yeah like he really focuses on being uplifting to people and and just inspiring other people i think he has a really unique story of where he comes from and
0: I don't know. I just love the guy. <laughs> yeah, no, fair point. Fair point. So you've got, you've got four more <laughs> to go after that one. So,
1: Oh, shit. I thought it was only one. Sorry for rambling on about
0: that. No, you're right. That's all good. <laughs> no, it's no worries. You gave great context to it all. I had no idea what
1: it was for. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> um, let's see. I would say one of my one of my musical heroes would be uh, Jim Atkins, the singer of Jimmy World. So nice, I, I've yeah. been pretty lucky to meet like most of, most of the people or even work with some of the people that are like, some of my musical heroes. And he's one of the only ones that I've never even met. Um, so yeah, he'd, he'd be on there. Um, let's see. Michael Jordan. I grew up uh, playing a lot of basketball, and then I stopped growing when I was in like ninth grade. So I stopped, <laughs> but I was always a big Michael Jordan fan.
0: Yes, good one, so mate. He would
1: be very, very cool to meet. Yep. Let's see. I've, already, I've got an actor, I've got a musician, I've got somebody in sports. What am I missing here?
0: Uh, Look at uh,
1: politics, Barack Obama.
0: There you go, mate. That rounds it out nicely. Barack there, Obama it?
1: seems like a great guy to sit down with.
0: <laughs> yeah, he always looked like he knew how to crack a joke. It, uh, I don't think I ever heard him do any, any serious jokes, but he'd be quite an interesting guy to listen to after a couple of scotches, I reckon.
1: Yeah, if I could have a have a,
0: a few beers with Barack Obama, I think that we could uh <laughs> we could do a lot of good. <laughs> yeah, no indeed, mate. Mate, I better let you get back to it. You have been a fantastic guest for the episode. Uh very open, mate. I do love your music by the way. Uh you do have a lot of fans down here in Australia as you probably know. Um, but mate, I'll certainly be in the audience when you guys come down here in October with May Day Parade and um Sorry, bit bit of a mouthful here, but I'll just end by saying congratulations on a wonderful career to date and, well, long may it continue.
1: Thank you so much, man. Yeah, I'm excited to get out there. Please come say hello and uh, grab a beer with me. Maybe you'll be the, oh, the for first sure. one, <laughs> the fifth guy that I'll ask my list of people
0: I need to have, have a beer with. Nice. Yes, No. definitely, mate. I'll look out for you when I'm at the show. All
1: right, it sounds good.
0: No worries, mate. Okay, all the best and thanks very much. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that conversation featured Kevin Jordan from the US outfit This Wildlife. Thank you so much for listening.